Welcome to the Football Travel Podcast from Outside Right, the football culture blog. I'm editor Chris Lee and coming up in this episode... We had probably the best team that I've ever seen play, uh, but we played in a stadium that was known up and down the country as the library. That's Ben Frost from Arsenal fan group Red Action on attempts to generate an atmosphere at the Emirates. You will find an atmosphere like I would claim to be better than most English games. We talked to Klaus Berman from visitfootball.dk about the Copenhagen derby and find out Dane's favourite football destinations in Europe. And... The, the further down you go, the more important it is to have that link with the community, to be known that you exist. Because a lot of people don't know these clubs are there, and a lot of football fans, I think, might be tempted to try it. I catch up with Gary Andrews on the health of non-league football in the UK. First up, Red Action. So I'm joined by Ben Frost, who's one of the organisers of Red Action. Welcome, Ben. Hi, Chris. So tell us a bit about Red Action. Uh, what's your mission? How did you come about? Uh, well, we're one of the sort of probably about four Arsenal fan groups, um, and various fan groups focus on different things at Arsenal. But mm-hmm. we're with a group that are concerned with basically improving the atmosphere, getting a, getting the stadium sort of rocking when the when the team plays. So very much in ground stuff. And uh, how did it come about? The group's run by about half a dozen of us, and we sort of came together in about two thousand and three when well we had probably the best team that I've ever seen play. Uh, but we played in a stadium that was known up and down the country as the library. Of course. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, you know, a few of us from other fan groups and, and people that were sort of active on, on some of the sort of message boards, at the, t- at the online message boards at the time, kind of came together and decided to try and do something about that. And what did that entail? Really, it's about getting fans involved because, um, you know, the, the fundamental problem is at, at the moment, and it was always the case, there are probably 20,000 season ticket holders who are there most weeks mm. but sit in silence most of the time and don't really contribute anything to the atmosphere. So it's always been really about getting people involved. Um, we started off, actually, we printed up song sheets yeah. um, and we had we had someone sort of write, as much as you ever can write a football song, but mm. sort of write a couple of new songs about players. Um, and we, we went around pubs giving out song sheets and, and literally sort of grabbing the mic in pubs and trying to get people sort of singing songs, try and take that into the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, we've got we've got when we moved to Emirates, we managed to get our own section, which was a sort of a, a dedicated sort of section for people that wanted to make noise. Mm-hmm. Um, shouldn't that be every section? But we've got we've yeah. got a small section. Um, and then since then, I mean, since then actually we've started, we focused more on things like big card displays as the teams come out um, before kickoff and games and things like that. Are you the ones behind those two big flags at either end that I've seen being waved off for each goal? Or is that no. a club initiative? Yeah, that's a club initiative. So we and we we sort of obviously you can't really get permission to go and do huge things. You know, yeah. I mean, I think football's football's changed a lot even since we started. You can't just rock up to a stadium with huge flags and expect to be sort of allowed in. Mm. Um, so we work we we do work quite closely with the club on you know what we're allowed to do. There's some stuff. Some stuff that we do that kind of comes from the fans, and then there's a bit more sort of yeah club stuff. So the big waving flags are a club thing. I, I know that in recent seasons, both Borussia Dortmund and Bayern München have been uh, to the Emirates and kind of made themselves known. Are they uh, are the Bundesliga teams kind of an inspiration for you in terms of the atmosphere they managed to create? Uh, yeah, absolutely, they are. Um, and a lot of the, you know a lot of the messages we get saying oh, we should be more more like Dortmund we should be more like you know it should be more like the uh, River Plate Boca Juniors game at the mm. Emirates every time i think um I, th- I think we're also realistic though that actually english football and particularly english fans now uh, are quite different to the game in germany 
um, yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, it's changed. It's changed immensely since um, since we were all on terraces at the top level. Mm. Um, and I think one thing that one thing that German fans do that English fans don't do quite so much is they tend to just kind of do as they're told when it comes to atmosphere. Everyone kind of accepts that atmosphere is everyone's responsibility, mm. and if there's an initiative, you should join in. Mm. It's very hard to get people to do that in England. Liverpool fans manage it. Mm. Sometimes Newcastle fans manage it. Um, but it's with Arsenal fans, it seems very, very much harder. And of course, a lot of the European clubs would point to the old cop as their inspiration for how they got their ideas in the first place. You know, scarves above the head at kickoff and things like that. Don't really see it anywhere else in England apart from there. Um, so how do people find out more and get involved? Where can they find you online? Uh, you find us online. We're, we're the, the, probably the main place where we're doing stuff day to day is on Twitter. We're at Red Action AFC. Mm-hmm. Um, we also, if you're if you're in the area for a game, we also run a bar near uh, near the Emirates called the Rocket, uh, which is in it's like a big student union bar that we um, that we run. And the aim of that is obviously to bring people together and get songs going before the game, mm-hmm. uh, which hopefully then sort of transfers into the ground. Fair enough. Uh, ben Frost from Red Action. Thank you very much. Thanks. So I'm joined by Klaus Berman from visitfootball.dk. Welcome, Klaus. Hi, Chris. Thank you. Last time I saw you, we were in Lyon at Portugal versus Hungary, and it was a pretty entertaining game, but you never thought that Portugal would have become champions out of that, would you? They came back in that game, and it was a 3-3, wasn't it? So, uh, yeah, really good game. That brings us nicely onto our subject, which is people travelling to watch football. And of course, in Denmark, you've got a culture of doing that. Do you want to just briefly introduce us to visitfootball.dk and, and how it all came around? Yeah, sure. I actually started it uh, two years ago here in, in, in June. And uh, basically, I had the idea of uh, getting more Danish people to travel abroad for, for football. And uh, it's basically partly inspiration and partly a travel guide for people wanting to go to football. Obviously, the big clubs are there from England and Germany and Spain and Italy. But uh, I try to inspire people to go to different places in the world, like, uh, actually, like Portugal. I just did, like, a piece about, like, the Lisbon clubs, and um, I plan to do a lot more about, like, the smaller clubs as well. Okay, and what are those most popular destinations for for Danes that are travelling abroad? Yeah, it's actually funny you should ask, because the beginning of the year, I did, like, the statistics for, like, last year, and wanted to see, like, which clubs are actually the most popular in Denmark, and uh, no surprise is Barcelona is, like, number one. And uh, and then the the uh, or like Liverpool is number two, I think, and then comes like the like the London clubs and the Manchester clubs, but uh, Real Madrid as well. But actually, surprising on that list were actually like a lot of German teams as well, like HSV, uh, like Hamburg in uh, in Germany was quite high on the list, and obviously Dortmund and Bayern as well. So. Basically, people traveled to to the big clubs, and uh, obviously Barcelona has been like top of the world for like twenty years now. They have had a lot of Danish players as well, and then obviously all the English clubs are just always popular. It's not my favorites, but they, they are always popular. Yeah, uh, and that's the atmosphere at English clubs is something we're going to cover quite a lot in in this podcast going forward, and the lack of it generally. Um, but in terms of Denmark's domestic scene, you did a post for us recently on the the Copenhagen derby between um, Brondby and um, FC Copenhagen. What's the sort of domestic scene like in Denmark? Why do people feel they need to sort of travel so much? Is it a lack of quality, a lack of atmosphere? What's the lack of competition? Yeah, I, I think uh, a, 
a bit of a bit of everything. Uh, mostly, I, I think that like if you ever watch the Danish uh, match match in like in the best division, uh, you will see like it's it's not Champions League. Uh, the level is 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 quite low to be like a bit harsh, but that's the truth. Um, and basically, for the last couple of years, like. Um, Around 2005, uh, Brøndby got into a real crisis that's been going on for 10 years, and it, it meant that FC Copenhagen was kind of alone, the, the the one team. And it's a bit like it's a bit like Scotland actually when Celtic was alone, like when Rangers went down. Like if there's no real competition and no like you know who's going to win every year anyway, then it's not good for the league at all. But uh, now, obviously, I have to believe that my team is coming back and. Um, i think it's going to be good again. Like we have got a new German coach, so that's going to be good. But but basically, yeah, people go abroad because more more spectators, more better atmosphere, better players, like better games. The Copenhagen derby, which I did a bit on, is like I think that's you know at least the surrounding at the game is international level. You will find an atmosphere like I would claim to be better than most English games. And um, the clubs has really passionate crowd and especially the two Copenhagen teams. Uh, yeah, that's, I think everybody should try to go to a Copenhagen derby. It's like quite an experience. And what about Mitchelland? Yeah, uh, basically, the, as, as, I don't know if you know this, but they, are, they started in, in, in 99. So they're a really young team. And then like a combination of two older clubs. So they basically just have one club, the same as FC Copenhagen. They're just from 92 as well. Football culture is, to me at least, like a big city uh, phenomenon. And uh, FC Midtjylland, even though that they've been like doing quite well, you know, they like the stadium is in the middle of nowhere and it's a small town. So in terms of atmosphere and, you know, all the stuff that like football fans want to experience going to the stadium, I think most people would be a bit disappointed if they go there. Within Denmark, within Scandinavia or even just within Europe, where are your favorite places to go? I have to be honest, actually, my, my favorite places to go is, is, is Germany and Italy. For I guess two different reasons. I think uh, Germany is 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 always like you always have a full stadium and it's actually quite cheap compared, for example, to to going to Premier League matches. And then uh, the German clubs have have done a lot to uh, actually keep the the supporters happy. And they always like every club in Germany will have a big crowd, like singing crowd behind one goal, and they will. That's actually a really good atmosphere in Germany. Full house. It's cheap. I just, I like the atmosphere there. Uh, within the next 10 years, a lot of people are going to travel to Germany for football. How can people find uh, more about uh, Visit Football? Yeah, obviously go to the website. And uh, I have to be honest, it's in Danish. So uh, I don't know how much you will get from it. But uh, I try to keep it a bit graphic as well. So um, as, as, as I said, one, one part of it is, is travel guides to all the big clubs. And one part is inspiration for going to small, some of the smaller clubs in Europe and going to some more odd places. I also have a Facebook, Facebook site that you can find. But obviously, it's in Danish. I have to say that. Okay, well, it's a case for Google Translate on the Chrome browser by the sound of it. You can try. You can try. Brilliant. Thanks for your time, Klaus. No problem. So I am joined by Gary Andrews, who is, among other things, a contributor to When Saturday Comes. Welcome, Gary. Hi, Chris. So for you, what's the state of non-league football in the UK at the moment? Is it, uh, is it a case of there being an opportunity for clubs to pick up disaffected fans who are pressed out of uh, league clubs, or, or do you think they should be looking for entirely new fans? Um, I think 
the state of non-league is is interesting. Um, it's relatively healthy, um, but I think you kind of start seeing a bit of a divide. Probably once you get just below um, the Conference National, because actually the Conference National, it's non-league that you look at the clubs in there. You've got your likes of Tranmere, Wrexham, um, Torquay. You've got a lot of um, clubs who are, are kind of former league clubs who make up a, a fair portion of that one. And so, you know, some of the attendances there, you know, the top, top of that attendance league is Tranmere, with, who's got just over 5,000 average attendance. But mm. then you kind of drop down for fairly standard um, average club in, in step below in Vanarama North or South, and you probably you know your good ones are going to to kind of average out around about a thousand, just over a thousand, but most of them are sort of kicking around about the six hundred mark. Mm-hmm. But that said, I mean I think there is a a good opportunity to pick up new fans. It's it is nowhere near as expensive as the Premier League. It doesn't come with a lot of the the kind of increased attachment from reality that the Premier League has it it's a lot more of a friendly experience it's more akin to i think certainly people who who sort of remember football in i don't think there's ever really been a golden era but the more nostalgic era eras of kind of 80s 90s in the positive light not the not the kind of trouble light but the kind of the best parts of those i think you can still find in non-league and i think that's what appeals to a lot of people as well whereas the premier league is you know it it's completely different experience from pretty much any other football division I'd say okay and the the, the, I just want to myth bust here the standard is quite good I mean look at the likes of Ian Wright Charlie Austin Jamie Vardy they all played non-league football um and of course you can you can drink within sight of the ground which you can't in uh in in other higher leagues yeah absolutely you've you've got um You've got quite a few players who, in the England side, Chris Smallings and other, came from mm. uh, from Maidstone. Um, you've got players who who have made it up through um, from from sort of the very bottom. But and um, yeah, the standard isn't isn't bad at all. The main difference is that as you drop down, obviously there's a, a lot more part timers. They don't quite have the fitness. Um, but yeah, the standard has definitely improved, certainly in the last sort of ten, fifteen years. And actually, it's not a million miles away from from leagues one or two, which are infinitely more expensive and and actually can sometimes be a lot more um, turgid. So, do you think that non-league clubs, um, and even league clubs, in fact, but we're focusing on non-league here, do you think they market themselves well enough? Um, yes and no. I mean, it, it, with, when you say non-league, there is actually such a kind of broad church within there. That um, and it's it's actually a much bigger number of clubs than than you get, and they tend to be a lot more disparate in how they go about things compared to um, football league clubs, which tend to sort of band together for a bit more of a consensus. And that's normally because you do have kind of some some sort of quite big names, and there were some quite professional setups, and some which are just kind of run by um, sort of friends of the club. Um, I think some of them do. Um, certainly, the ones that that get it right. Um, one, it obviously helps if you've got a successful club. Um, and when you, again, when you look down some of the attendances from from kind of lower levels, your likes of, of Sutton, um, for example, a team that's done particularly well in recent years and has, has had a few promotions. And you can see that reflected in the attendance and successful breed success. And if they market themselves well enough, you will get an interest from a local community because, you know, realistically in Sutton, 
your nearest league clubs probably Wimbledon, your nearest Premier League clubs Chelsea. If you want to watch live football, it's a very good option. On the other hand, you've got maybe a side like Leamington, who kind of put in a spurt in recent years and have now started falling back down the leagues and they sort of posted quite a big um, downward spiral in, in terms of, of their attendances as well. So, you know, it, it kind of comes swings and roundabouts a little bit. And really, I think it comes to connecting with the local community and those clubs that really feel like they're part of the community. And again, I'm probably talking from bottom half of, of Vanarama down, the top half ones are pretty well-established clubs. But the, the further down you go, the more important it is to have that link with the community, to be known that you exist. Because mm. a lot of people don't know these clubs are there and a lot of football fans, I think, might be tempted to try it. And when, you, when people do, I've, I've taken a long quite a lot of friends who are football league premier league supporters um and will come and they have an absolutely fantastic time mm. but they just don't know that club's there and it's making that effort to seek it out and if you're not watching you know if you're not regularly going to premier league there's a lot of other opportunities for for leisure time activity on a weekend that they've got to compete with so it's some of them do it well if they can get into that local community and tap into that mindset the ones that don't tend to alienate their local community or just don't particularly seem bothered mm. or on occasions might just be particularly difficult to get to one example in that you know and i'm speaking for sort of my near my area is a club like corinthian casuals who are really really hard you've got to make a real effort to try and get to that ground um, and that can hurt them a little bit as well okay and is there any particular ground you like going to most and, and why um, the ones that I quite like going to are the ones which have got really good pubs nearby, actually. No, um, uh, so, uh, Car I really enjoy going down there. Lovely place and just a very quaint little ground. Um, but actually, it's got a, a, some fantastic lot of pubs nearby. Again, uh, Hampton and Richmond is another one I quite like going down to. They're, um, they've quite a sort of nice, quaint ground. It's quite unusual. They've kind of got um, three different... It almost you can see where they've... They've just had a bit of money and they've erected another stand and there's no kind of thought in terms of planning, but it's got that wonderful ramshackle feel um, to it. Um, ones that don't perhaps have sort of quite good, such good pubs, I really like Tiverton Town as well, which is quite close to where I grew up. Um, got very kind of happy memories of, of them doing very well in the Vars years ago. Um, and again, it's, it's a lot to do with the friendliness of the ground. I've been to some clubs where... You know, there's nothing wrong with it, but you just kind of don't really get that connection and you don't really kind of get that friendliness through there. Or you might get, get a bit, but it's not perhaps as, as welcoming as others. And, you know, I, I hop around grounds. I've been to quite a few. Um, but there's some that you'll always just go back to because there's just a warmth. Or there's something that's really enjoyable. You've had a really good experience and that sticks with you. Okay. So where can people follow you on Twitter? If you want to follow me specifically to talk about football, you can follow me at GAFootBL. Um, so that's GAFootBL. Brilliant. Gary Andrews, thanks very much. Thanks, Chris. That's it for this episode. Thanks for tuning in. You can find more football travel guides over at outsideright.co.uk, spelled W-R-I-T-E. And we are out outside right on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time.